This is an ABC podcast. Once upon a time, we were cavemen. Or women. It's not gender specific. Alone in a big, scary Neanderthal world. It was dangerous. We were vulnerable to predators. Sharks. Sabre-toothed tigers. Wildebeest. Drop bears. Us humans were pretty feeble. We had soft skin, fingers instead of claws. We were shit at running. Some of us still are. So... How did we survive as a species? We banded together. Yes! That's our thing. We're really good at it. We're good at getting into villages and communities and forming societies. We're good at problem solving and looking out for the weak and surviving together. I'm Jan Fran. This is The Pineapple Project. And this season is all about connection. Because this whole weird pandemic has shone a light on how much we need each other. So here's today's dilemma. There's one really important connection in your life that you might be overlooking. It's really close to home. Literally. You just have to look out your window or over the fence to find it. It's to your neighbours. Because folks, we've got a big neighbour problem. A staggering number of Australians don't know the people next door. Do you know your neighbours? No. I have no idea who my neighbours are, actually. No. No. No, not by name. Yeah, we don't really know them. We don't know their names or where they're from or anything about them. Nothing. 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 If you're older and live in the country, you're doing a bit better. But if you're young and you live in a city... It's almost half of us who don't know our neighbours. And if you're new to Australia, your chances are even lower. But it's not entirely our fault. We don't live in caves. We don't live in tight-knit villages anymore. Heaps of us rent. People move all the time. We're transient, independent. Now, I know, I know, this is the modern world. No one knows their neighbours. Why should we? Uh, Unless we're going to reach out to others, unless we're going to cooperate, unless we're going to make little sacrifices on behalf of other people, uh, then society descends into chaos. And none of us wants that. That's Hugh McKay. He spent his life studying what makes Australians tick. And he says... The state of the nation starts in our street. I get that. I do. But in reality, a lot of the time, I just want to stay inside and eat a very big bowl of pasta in the fetal position and not talk to anyone. What's the problem with that? (laughs) (laughs) I must say I can relate to all of that. (laughs) And, you know, to be completely, brutally, transparently frank... Uh, there's nothing I like better than the prospect of a quiet day when I can read or write and think um, and and not have to um, engage with uh, an interview with Jan Fran on the Pineapple <laughs> Project. <laughs> or, or, have I um, ruined your day, have I? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, not at all, because I know I'm human. Because we're social beings, that's what humans are. We are in this thing together. All of our voices sound better when they're blended with the choir. But the other thing that would restrain me from going to the extreme of the position that you described is to recognize that social isolation is actually very bad for us, especially when we know what social psychology is now telling us with crystal clarity that being socially isolated is an unhealthy state for us. We're, we're herd animals. That's our nature, Jan. We, we belong in groups, uh, in neighborhoods, in families, in workplace communities, in all sorts of communities. That's, that's natural for us to run with the herd, to graze with the herd. So when, when herd animals are co- cut off from the herd, this is inclined to produce a negative state for them. Now, the obvious things that we always think of when we think of the health hazards associated with social isolation, we think of anxiety and depression. And yes, that's true. Social isolation is associated with heightened levels of anxiety and a greater risk of depression. But it's not only that. There are physical ailments that are now seen to be associated with prolonged periods of social isolation, Mm. such as hypertension, uh, compromised immune systems, um, a higher risk of addiction, uh, particularly to IT devices, cognitive decline, uh, sleep disturbances. There are, there are all of these things that go along. And there's no mystery about this. It's just, just because how it is for herd animals. This is why in our criminal justice system, uh, solitary confinement is the worst punishment we can think of for a prisoner because it is the worst punishment for a member of, uh, of, of, a, of a social species like ours. So the thing that would always pull me back from the brink of becoming a hermit is to just look at the evidence, look at the science and say, I know it would be really bad for me if I retreated into a little cocoon and cut myself off from uh, normal social networks and from neighbors and from the extended family and so on. It is healthy for us to be connected Mm. and integrated and engaged, and it's unhealthy for us to withdraw. Turns out knowing your neighbours is really good for your sense of well-being. Remember those predators that we were vulnerable to when we were alone? In modern life, when we feel alone... It's our bodies and minds that start to booby-trap themselves. It's a stress response. That's why it's important to stick our heads up over the fence. Because Hugh says it's all part of building your herd around you. And that herd isn't just close family and friends, but also people within proximity. I think we're recognising the crucial importance in our lives of the local neighbourhood. The local neighbourhood is, in fact, the place where we will go if we need immediate help in a crisis. And whenever there's a crisis, of course, that's what we find, whether it's a storm or a bushfire or a flood or whatever. It's the immediate neighbours. And in many of our major cities in particular, over the last 10 years, 15 years, we've drifted away 
uh, from the sense of the neighbourhood. We've forgotten, I think, what it actually means to be a neighbour. Okay, I want to level with you. I don't know what it's like to be a good neighbour. I avoid my neighbours because I don't want to commit to another relationship. I don't have the capacity to do this in my life. You know, I don't have the mental space for more people. And we are cynical now when it comes to community. It's not the 1950s. But Hugh says being a good neighbour doesn't have to mean a massive time or emotional commitment. It's a special category of thing. We know what it means to be a partner or a sibling or a parent. Uh, We know what it means to be a colleague or a friend. Now, we haven't always remembered, and I think this pandemic is reminding us starkly that there's this other dimension to our existence. Part of our responsibility as a citizen in this society is to be a neighbour. And that doesn't mean we turn the people in our street into our best friends. It does mean that we establish enough contact with them so they know that they can call on us in a crisis and we know that we can call on them in a crisis. And the psychological payoff is big. Hugh says we're hardwired to feel good when we do stuff for other people. Focusing on the needs of other people is the great antidote to anxiety because we're more truly human when we're focused on the needs of the other than when we're obsessively focused on our own needs. The Australian Psychological Society, uh, collaborating with Swinburne University of Technology, about a year ago published some staggering research which showed that one in four Australians, 25% of the population, report feeling lonely most of every week. Now, just ponder what that means. That means in your street, in my street, in my apartment block, in your apartment block, there are people who are experiencing not just social isolation, but who are actually experiencing this pang called loneliness. If there was someone out there right now who wanted to make some changes and who wanted to start building connections, what are some tangible things that they can start doing right now? Make contact with your neighbours. Make a gesture. Put a note under their door. Pick a bunch of flowers. Do something. Give them your phone number in case they want to call you. Do something to contact the neighbours. Look along the street. Take a walk. Uh, Have a look at the houses or the apartments and say, now, I know that that's an old guy or he doesn't seem to be getting out for a walk. He's probably at risk of the pain of loneliness. Uh, Maybe I put a funny card under his door or maybe I just pick a few lemons and leave them on his doorstep or some little gesture that will make that person realise that they were in my thoughts, that Mm. that I I was hearing them even though they weren't speaking. Okay, I've lived in my apartment block for about five years now and not once have I made an effort to reach out to my neighbours. So I think it's time. I'm going to put a note under their door. Just a nice friendly letter. I've got some ABC letterhead here. No, actually, I'm not going to use ABC letterhead. Here's some 
plain, plain white paper, blue pen. Here we go. To something. Howdy, neighbor. Howdy? Who says howdy? I feel like that's too friendly. That's daggy. I'm just going to say hi. Hi. That's better. Hi. Hi, my name is Jan. I live at number two. I just wanted to introduce myself and leave my number with you in case you need to get in touch for anything. P.S. I'm not weird. Promise. Which is a very weird thing to say. But nonetheless, I'm saying it. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to go and I'm going to drop this stuff off. Just put it outside their door. I'm at one of their doors. Oh, man. I hope they don't open this door and find me, like, squatting outside of their door. That's That would be a lot for me right now. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot for me. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pull the plug on this for a second because I'm like, I've had some nerves. So I'm chickening out. I'm chickening out. That's fine. How do people actually do this? My name's Jack. I live in inner city Sydney, and I didn't know any of my neighbours until an international health pandemic struck, and now all of a sudden I know ninety. Not long ago, Jack was like me. He had no idea who lived just metres away. So I knew my two flatmates who lived in the house and we had friends come in and visit, but no, like, other people are scary. Why would you make friends with other people on your street, even though you've lived there for three years? I mean, in hindsight, that sounds ridiculous, but that was totally the mindset up until now. Tell me what's changed. Uh, I kind of thought, hmm, probably a good time to get to know some of the people close by just in case something goes wrong in my life, just in case something goes wrong in theirs, uh, just so that the people close by, I guess, we could create a little community and ensure that everyone was looking out for each other. Look, my fear was that there was going to be some poor um, 80-plus-year-old couple and they were going to get sick and no one was going to know about it. And I wanted to make sure that that didn't happen, so... I think as soon as this whole sort of wacko pandemic started, we thought, hey, maybe it was probably a good time to reach out and check everyone's doing okay. So we printed up a little letter, uh, dropped it in everyone's letterboxes, and uh, from that, our 320 houses um, have all started joining a little Facebook group that we've created. Can you read it to us? Yeah, I'll read the letter. Dear beautiful people of our street, I want to quickly introduce myself. I'm Jack and I live at number 22 with my two flatmates. What a truly strange period of time we're all living through. As we face our own challenges on our street, I hope we can all pull together. I've started a small Facebook group. Uh, You can join it by jumping on Facebook and searching for our street name. If you find yourself needing help to self-isolate, assistance finding the basics, or just need someone to chat to, I hope this group can provide a space for this to happen. If you're not on Facebook or you'd prefer to reach out offline, you're welcome to call me at any time. Yours from a distance, Jack. Oh my goodness, Jack, that is adorable. I wish you were living on my street. And I mean, it was lovely. Like we've got, there's sort of three or four people in our street who pretty much called me within days to go, hey, I'm not on Facebook, um, but it is okay if I add my grandchild or my niece into the group so that they can keep an eye out. 
on what's happening on the group and keep me informed. And I mean, so many people just jumped into this Facebook group, which like you wouldn't normally do. Like if a weirdo on your street sent you a letter that said, hey, let's join a Facebook group together, you'd sort of be like, oh, really? I don't need to do that, do I? I've got enough happening in life. Why would I jump in and add yet another stream of notifications and deal with another group of people? But just because it's such a weird era, uh, people did and people jumped in and got involved. And what else did you guys do? So, I mean, while the group exists to basically be there in case we need to help each other out, it has become a bit of a social hangout to an extent. We've had trivia nights as a street. Uh, we've got a chef on our street. He basically put a post on the group and said, hey, I'm a chef. I'm happy to cook people meals. Who's interested? And I hate cooking. So that was ideal. So a few people on our uh, street have jumped in and we're sort of buying food from Billy on a weekly basis to sort of keep us going. I think you'll absolutely need to have a street party after this. Oh, for sure. And it'll be very, very easy to invite everyone. <laughs> the flow on effects from one small step. I tell you. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get to know my neighbours. I'm going to let them know that, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking of them and I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. Here we go, people. Personal growth. All right. I have got 11 blocks of chocolate, the fancy kind, please. There are 11 units in my building. I'm going to leave a block of chocolate and a note on every doorstep. Here we go. This is what I've said. From Jan, your neighbour. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling in need of some chocolate right now. I hope this makes you happy in this weird time. I'm at number two if you ever need anything. All right, here we go, slipping it under the door. And honestly, if anyone opens the door at this point, I'm just going to, like, hurl myself off the third floor. Uh, cool. Yeah, great. I didn't... It's done. Now we wait. Introducing yourself. What's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, you might feel a bit embarrassed, maybe a bit rejected, but the best case scenario is pretty amazing. Hi, it's Vaya. Uh, I live in Pasta Vale, been here for about three years, didn't know any of our neighbours. And one day we were going for our walk and we noticed children's chalk drawing on the footpath. Uh, right across from our house, and we thought, oh, well, there's neighbourhood kids that we didn't realise existed. They must be bored. We're bored. So we left them a note to say hello, and they wrote back. We did a couple of drawings and letters back and forth, and then we opened the door, and there was a gift bag with chocolate eggs for us, and we told them I'm eight months pregnant, and they'd included a bag of newborn nappies and wipes in case the shops had sold out and we hadn't been able to get any, and I hadn't bought any nappies. We didn't know what we were going to do, and that was really touching because now we have friends across the road that we didn't even know existed. So I'm Kara. We recently moved into a new neighbourhood. We didn't know anyone. We ran into our neighbours and we mentioned in passing that we were down to our last roll of toilet paper. And um, the next day, they rocked up uh, with 12 
rolls of toilet paper and they were like, hey, we saw these, we thought of you guys, here you go. And the toilet paper delivery made me feel over the moon. So the first thing we did was go out there's a new cafe that's opened at the end of our street and we bought two coffees and just got them to write it down on a little card um, and then put that card under the door and said, you know, thanks for the toilet paper. It was nice. Made me feel like I'm part of a community, not on our own. I'm Lorraine and I've got a four-year-old at home currently that's missing out on going to kindy. Yeah, so it turns out my next-door neighbour is actually a teacher, which I didn't know, and lo and behold, she brought over some learning packs for him and put them on our doorstep. Yeah, it was great. It was, gave us some structure and some ideas as to what to do with him during the day. I don't have a printer, so this was really, really great because it was all done for me, helping me out in something like that where it was such a daunting task it was just so friendly and so nice blew me away gorgeous your stories of making tiny gestures and new neighborly connections are gorgeous speaking of gorgeous gestures my neighbors haven't responded yet i mean it's only been 20 minutes it's just good that they know i'm i'm here right because something hugh said is stuck in the back of my mind. The local neighbourhood is, in fact, the place where we will go if we need immediate help in a crisis. Crisis, crisis, crisis. Because it's great to be able to swap a cup of sugar or an egg. Does anyone still do that? But having people next door when you're a bit stuck, that can come in very handy. I'm not someone who is good in an emergency situation, whether the kids are sick or whatever it is. I, yeah, I just kind of panic. This is Rebecca. She's a single mother of two young kids, Harry and Sebby. And one night, Rebecca had a very unexpected reason to panic. Yeah, so it was a, a Friday night. Obviously, end of the week, the kids were really tired after a week at school. I was really tired after a week at work. I would have been having um, a quiet wine. The boys were down watching TV. And it was kind of just getting to that point that we would all be going to bed pretty, pretty soon. They'd been having issues with the toilet door. If the door shut, it would lock and stay locked. You couldn't open it from the inside or the outside. So we had a rule that you couldn't shut the door, that it needed to be left ajar, which was fine until, and everyone was doing it, the boys were doing it beautifully, and then I went to the toilet, tired, not thinking, automatically turned the light on, the lights attached to the fan, and the fan just sucked the door in and it just shut with a thud. And my heart just sank. Rebecca was locked inside the toilet. And no amount of wrestling with the handle could get the door open. I just went into total panic and I was trying from the inside to get out. The boys came over and are desperately trying to get me out from outside, but it just... Yeah, we, we couldn't do it. Yeah, and I'm just getting more and more frazzled and just more and more panic-stricken about, you know, what I was going to do. Minutes passed. Rebecca's mind was racing. It was time to start calling for help. 
the kids got my phone and started going through close friends and close friends' husbands and partners to try to catch someone at home that could come. The boys couldn't get anyone to answer any of the people, you know, any of my friends, any of my friends' husbands. Um, and then they even tried my dear old dad, who is a farmer in WA. So thousands of kilometres away, they even tried to get Poppy. And from memory, I don't even think Poppy was there. So, yeah, it was just kind of, what do we do? Harry, the youngest, wanted to call triple zero. But Rebecca wasn't too excited about the idea. It just felt a bit over the top. I just had this image of firefighters breaking down the door and finding me on the other end. Yeah, I just felt mortified and embarrassed and, you know, and just, oh, please, you know, let the ground swallow me up. So who would help? Who could they turn to? Keng, their trusty dentist neighbour from two doors down. They'd moved into the street around the same time and had chatted at the mailboxes. But asking for help to be drilled out of a dodgy loo, that was the first. I said to Seb, the eldest, Sebby, could you please just run down and see if Kang's at home? I mean, I'm, I'm close to tears. I just didn't know what else to do. I was at home and I heard the front door knocking, bang, 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 and, and I opened the door and uh, my neighbour's son, Rebecca's son, was there asking for my help. He just says that um, my mum's just got herself locked inside the toilet, could you come and help us, please? Honestly, I can't believe how quickly Kang was there. He was there within a matter of moments and I just remember that feeling of utter relief just felt like, oh my God, you are my hero, Kang. Like it was just, it was very emotional for me. I could hear Rebecca just keep on saying, oh dear Lord, and trying to explain what's going on. So I just tried, all right, I'll just whiz back to my place and see what I could find. And I found some uh, flat screwdrivers and pliers. Um, I was like, all right, no worries. We'll, I'll try my best. It took him ages because we had kind of damaged the door trying to get out. He had to literally take it apart bit by bit. I have to find ways to actually just loosen it up or bend the metal so that the the uh, latch could be released from it. And that's how I got her out. Um, yeah, and then she gave me a big hug. So. I just remember flinging my arms around poor Kang and, you know, basically, you know, just suffocating him in this massive hug because I was just so grateful and so excited. Sure, being stuck in a toilet isn't the worst thing in the world. But for Rebecca, it's about more than that. Having a neighbour close by who has your back is hugely comforting. Well, I think for me, it's been incredibly important being in Adelaide um, by myself with the boys. So, and our family uh, a long way away. Even my mum appreciates King so much. I think that mum is, you know, living in Western Australia, a couple of hundred k's northeast of Perth. And she feels calm and comfortable and reassured knowing that Kang 
is there if the boys and I need him at any time. So he's really impacted our whole family in terms of that providing that just that comfort and that reassurance and just knowing he's there. And Kang, well, he feels the same about having Rebecca around. Rebecca's been a great neighbour, even though we don't hardly see each other because our work schedules tend to be different. But having someone next to you and you know that um, someone is there if you needed help, um, that helps a lot. Oh, I think I want that too. Okay, I have an update on my small neighbourly outreach mission. It has not even been, what, four hours since I left some chocolate bars outside the doors in this apartment block and I opened the door to find a bottle of wine outside of my apartment door. Isn't that just like the loveliest thing? And on the wine was a post-it note that said, looks like you correctly guessed our drug of choice while surviving social distancing. Hope we're not too far off with our guests for yours. Take care. (gasps) This has melted my cold, dead heart in ways that I cannot even tell you. For the record, I I was not expecting to get anything, really. Um, So to get this is just so lovely and (laughs) it's just like has put the biggest smile on my face. Um... And honestly, I think it's the closest sort of neighbourly interaction that I've had. And I hope to maybe actually open this bottle of wine with the neighbours. So, what have we learned? Community is contagious. And Hugh was right. It does start on your street. Knowing your neighbours doesn't take heaps of time. It doesn't mean committing to another big relationship in your life. But investing in those tiny acts of community will give you tons in return. A happiness boost, a sense of security, more to connect with. And if I can do it, you can. We've given you plenty of ideas for getting to know your neighbours. So be that person. Smile at someone when they pass you in the street. Join an online network for your community. Write a cute note. Leave some chocolate at the door. And add another member to your herd. Because who bloody knows when we'll have to call on them next? I'm Jan Fran, your friendly neighbour. And this is The Pineapple Project. The C word. Connection. Coming up next on The Pineapple Project... It's the one thing that promises to connect us more than anything. The wonderful, majestical phone. And we love them. Yeah, our attachment to our smartphones are so is so strong that it can be stronger than our need or desire for sex, chocolate and coffee. But there's probably one thing you're doing with it that is really damaging for the people around you. A great saying that people use is alone together, meaning that we're in in physical proximity to other people, but we don't even acknowledge their existence. The phone. Friend or foe? At the height of my influenza 
popularity. I have never felt more isolated and disconnected from myself in real life. That's next time on The Pineapple Project. If community and connection are your thing and you want more, 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 why not check out another great ABC podcast, Life Matters. It's a daily program that delves into relationships, family, neighbourhoods, hobbies, basically the stuff that we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about. See it as your trusty guide for modern living. Hosted by Hilary Harper and Michael McKenzie. You can catch it on the ABC Listen app or in your favourite podcast app.